Hey, good morning, everyone, and a happy 30th anniversary. Well, that worship was amazing, wasn't it? Such beautifully chosen songs for an anniversary. And I thought, I don't know if I'm going to get um, through doing this talk now because I was just crying my eyes out at the front here. And when we celebrate um, this 30th anniversary, it's all about God's faithfulness. You know, it's not about us or, you know, what we do or what we've done. It, it is all about God's faithfulness. So before we start this talk, let's just, you know, honor him once again with all that he's done in our lives. So, Lord, we just thank you as we celebrate this 30 years that it is all about you and that you have taken us and done something with our lives, each and every one of us. And um, before the meeting, uh, Luke had a picture of us as like, you know, we're like seeds in the ground, then we grow into a vegetable, and we're all, you know, dark and dirty underneath the soil, and, you know, the great farmer, the Lord himself, he comes and takes us out, and he prepares us and cleans us, and like a master chef, he makes us into a meal to feed those around us. And Lord Jesus, I thank you for your faithfulness to us all this last 30 years, and to everything that you've done in our lives, that Lord, today as we celebrate, it is all about you. Amen. Okay, well, anniversaries and birthdays are a wonderful thing, and it's important to celebrate them. Now, me and my twin brother, Martin, when we were young, we had a family tradition of going to my nana's for a cooked breakfast. And our birthday is Christmas Eve. And looking back now, I think my mum just liked to get us out of the house for the morning. And um, we used to cycle up through the village to my nana's, and she and my granddad would cook us this feast. I mean, as we grew older, it was quite tough plowing through this breakfast, but that was our celebration. I have really fond memories of myself and my twin brother going up there having breakfast together. And now we have our own family tradition on my birthday. And uh, this one, probably for Julian, isn't as great as having a cooked breakfast because we all go to the beach on Christmas Eve morning on my birthday and we have photos and um, it's wet and it's windy. So welcome to the family, you guys, because it's a wet and windy birthday when you come to join our family tradition down at the beach. But um, anniversaries, birthdays, marking these occasions, it's important for us to do these things. And all through the Bible, God speaks to his people about remembering. Um, there's many examples where he talks about piling up stones as a remembrance of an agreement between people or, or remembering a great um, miracle that he did, like when they walked through the Jordan and they took a stone for each tribe and piled them up, that when they walked back past there another time, um, they would ask what was these stones for and it was all about God's provision, protection, his rescue. The other thing I love about God is all the feasts he did for his people. Loads and loads of feasts to remember his faithfulness, a great harvest, his protection, um, the Feast of Tabernacles, all these different feasts that God says, remember these things. Um, you think about the Passover when they were all stuck in Egypt as slaves and there was that tremendous rescue and afterwards every year they would celebrate this Passover over feast and the children would ask you know dad why do we do this and it had all symbolism to remember or you think of when Jesus at the last supper he brought everyone around the table in a very personal way and he took the bread from the table and the wine and he he broke them and shared them and said do this in remembrance of me even if you think of the time when uh, before his crucifixion Jesus uh took off his outdoor clothes and wrapped a, uh, a towel around his waist and there he washed the disciples' feet. 
And it was like an image to them to say, this is how I want you to serve one another. And it was something to remember. I'm sure they remembered that, that visual sign of Jesus humbling himself to wash the feet. And so God made us as human beings. Our hearts and minds, the human psyche is meant to remember and to celebrate. So it's good for us. I'd like to encourage you, take every opportunity. Don't go, oh, it's just a birthday, it's just an anniversary, it doesn't really matter. It does matter. It's part of something God has put within you. He's created us that way. So take every opportunity to celebrate because it fuels generosity and it fuels joy in your life. Be like a young couple who've been going out a week and they celebrate, this is our one week anniversary of going out together. You know, let us have joy and celebrate. So today we're celebrating that on November the 5th, 1991, Cornerstone began. And uh, there was Julian and myself and seven young people. And within the year, there was maybe about 20 of us. And many of you sitting in this room are founder members with us who came on that journey. I want to thank you. Those early years were so tough. Thank you for walking with us, believing in us, staying with us, and all that God has done. So we celebrate today God's faithfulness for these 30 years. Now, in the summer, I was praying one day, and God gave me this verse from Isaiah that I felt was for our anniversary today. And so this is the verse. I'm going to share this, and then we look a little bit of our history. So this is the verse. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Now, I know this seems a strange verse for an anniversary because anniversaries are all about remembering. And it's not that we don't remember, but there's a message in here about God's promises and what lies in the future. So we'll look at it first in context and what it meant for the Israelites at this time. So Isaiah, who was a prophet, he was prophesying over the nation of Israel. And at this time, they had wandered away from God. And this was, he was bringing a promise back to them about the future. And God was saying to them, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do not perceive it. And in the context, he was talking about all the good things to come after this difficult time they'd been through. And what's interesting, this verse is right on the back of God getting them to remember all the things he's done. So it's not about not remembering. Do you get what I mean? So in the, in the context of um, chapter 43 here, God goes through all the things about their relationship together to understand their identity, who God is, and who they are in his sight. And the, the verses just before this is right on the back of reminding them of that big miracle of crossing through the Red Sea, celebrating the Passover afterwards. They went through the waters. The Egyptian chariots were lost. That huge rescue. So we can see, although God's saying, forget the former things, it's in the context of remembering first. Because right before it, he brings this big remember about the Red Sea. So he's not saying, don't remember, but don't dwell in the past. Don't stay there. Look to the fresh promises ahead. I feel that's, a, that's a, a word for us, and it's a word for us collectively as a group, but also for individuals here. Sometimes we are stuck in a place, and God is saying this morning, don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it. He's inviting us into a shared future. 
And so they're remembering, or God's remembering before them in this chapter about their past history is all about their identity. And this is the thing about identity. When we have a strong identity, we know where we've come from, it helps us knowing where we're going. Because who we are gives us the security of what God did before, who we are, what God did with us. Um, that beautiful song we just sang about God's faithfulness and, and that he's running after me. It's a little bit like that. It's like looking back at all God's faithfulness and knowing that as we walk into the future, his love is just running after us and with us and before us. So we're going to look a little bit at the verses surrounding the identity of God's relationship with his people. Now, I want you, us to understand, this is the context of Israel, but we can also take any of these verses on board for ourselves. And so I'm going to whip through these, but these are the context of this anniversary verse. Okay, so here we go. So first of all, God talks about belonging. He talks about, I have summoned you by name and you are mine. Can you see that? He's saying to them, this is where you belong. You are mine. And above everything else, we belong to God. That's who we are. I've summoned you by name. You are mine. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Then he talks about protection. And he says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you, even if they're shark infested. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, this reminds me of our Daniel series, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Look at that protection. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Then he talks about his love relationship with them. Since you are precious and honored in my sight and because I love you. He talks about salvation, who he is in that. I, even I, am the Lord. And apart from me, there is no savior. And their security, yes, and from ancient days, I am he. No one can deliver out of my hand. When I act, who can reverse it? And can you see all these verses come first before he says, forget. He reminds them of their historic relationship, who he is to them and who they are to him. Loved, precious, protected. They belong. Only God can save. So God here isn't saying don't remember, but he's saying our shared history is your identity and now spring forward from it. Don't dwell in the past. Don't stay there. And Israel had gone through a difficult season and God was saying also, don't dwell on the failures. Don't dwell on your mistakes and the failures. And sometimes you find as human beings, we're a little stuck sometimes with the things that we have done wrong, the things we hoped would go better, things that didn't work out. And this is kind of saying, don't get stuck there. Don't be stuck, don't dwell on the past, but spring forward with God to the great future that he has. And he talks about how he will restore all things. So the verse goes on to say this, it says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And this is talking of a picture of the wasteland is like the desert. So it's not a wasteland like, you know, the concrete bit at the back of the 
supermarket or something, but it's talking about a dry, like a dry desert wasteland. In all those David Attenborough films that show, and this desert looks dead, but here come the rains, and the rains come and it springs to life. And that's what he's talking about. He's gonna bring a fresh life to us. Do you sometimes feel a little dry and dusty, or like a wasteland or like a desert? Is it been a hard season? We're all going through, have been, are going through COVID. That is like a barren land, but God has a promise. The fresh streams in our heart bubbling up to bring new life. And I just think God wants us to receive that and take it on board and say, do you know, it has been a tough journey. I do feel a little dry right now. But Jesus, you know, when he stood uh, with the woman at the water of the well, do you remember that? He said, if only you knew who spoke to you and you would have rivers of life flowing up within you. So we don't have to wait for some rains to come, although we have plenty of rain here in Wales. But our restoration and our life-giving uh, by the Holy Spirit comes from within, the Holy Spirit within us, and it's a promise to us. And so Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, I feel like it's a word for us for our 30th anniversary, that we know our identity in God and we know our history. Now, our history with him together as a church is all about our DNA. So if you're new joining a church, it's important to know You know, a church is more than a service like this. You know, a meeting on a Sunday. It's way more than a service. This is like the cherry on the cake. And the cake is the whole DNA of a church. Who are we? What do we believe? And partly you can see that from our history. And then you know what we stand for. And you know that this is a spiritual home for you. But also I feel God is saying to us, he's about to do a new thing. And he's asking us, don't you perceive it? Can you feel it? It's like being ready and awake to it because God is about to write the pages of our now history. We have our 30-year history, but now God is about to write our now history that includes all of us together. He's doing a new thing, don't you perceive it? And so as we celebrate our 30th anniversary today, and we come to know our history and our DNA, I'm gonna take us through a little snapshot of the journey. And it is a snapshot. I was thinking about this this morning. And when you start thinking about the last 30 years, you know, it's, it's gosh, the things that God has done, it's absolutely amazing. And so once we know our foundations, it reveals what is the DNA of the church that helps us spring into the future. And so let's have a look through our history together. Here we go. So, Swansea. So, for Julian and myself, we'd worked in, um, in Cardiff, a church in Hereford, then God sent us to Swansea. We worked in a church in the south of the city. It was like a restart. We formed many friends there. But then we felt um, God call us to pioneer, and that came about through one day, our little rented house down in Sketty, a for sale sign appeared in the garden. And I rang the landlord, and I'm like, is our house up for sale? He said, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you, you need 
to move out. I'm selling the house. And this led one thing to another, that we ended up buying this house in Treboth, 856 Langevelich Road. Now, I don't have time to go into the miracle of buying this house, but at the time, we were earning £50 a week in the Restart Church. And then through a miracle and prayer and you know, a friend who knew how to help things, we ended up buying this house. And within 10 days of buying the house, we felt God say to pioneer Cornerstone Church. We went to the elders of the church that we were serving there, and they said, great, we think that's good, the church, the, that area needs somewhere, um, off you go with our blessing. Uh, but off we went with their blessing, but we didn't have any money. And so now we had just bought a house, our mortgage was over 500 pound a month, this is going back to 1991, and suddenly, you know, even with benefits, we pioneered a church, but we, we had no money. We had no resources, no money. We couldn't eat every day. Sometimes we would fast for three weeks or four weeks because we couldn't eat and feed the children. We had uh, Matthew and Rachel at that time. We hadn't, uh, Chloe wasn't born yet. And so it was such an adventure. We, we were hungry, we were cold, we began to serve the community. And in our little group of um, seven who came with us, and then nine and 10 and 12, it really was like in that Acts church. I can remember people helping us, uh, buying food. There was a young couple who, one worked in a creche, one worked in a carpet shop. They came to us and they said, you know, for the first year, we would like to give you 100 pound a month so that you can eat. A church the other side of the city said, for your first year of pioneering, we'd like to give you a gift every week. And so we limped along. I remember if we didn't have any food, we would share a stock cube for dinner, me and Julian. Or the other thing we used to buy was like, um, they used to do this malted Horlicks. And that does fill you up quite well, a mug of that, if you've had no dinner. And so in those early years, it was fun, it was difficult, it was sacrifice, it was astonishing. We saw people healed, we saw people join the church. It was a real journey together. There was a sense of fun, camaraderie, we got to know one another, um, and we built together. And the first thing we did was start to reach out into the community because suddenly we found ourselves, oh, the reason that is like a building site is this. The other thing I have to tell you, this house we bought was a three-story, 11-roomed Victorian house that was still Victorian. No heating, no hot water. We moved in. For a while, we all slept in the same bedroom just to try and stay warm, hats on heads, coats on in bed. And um, one day, a guy came to the door. He said, hi, I'm from the council. Your house has reached top of the list for a refurbishment. And because we had no money, they paid 100% of the refurbishment. And then my nana and two dear friends in the church, they paid put in central heating. So the house was revamped, and that's where we birthed the church. And we'd meet in there on Sundays and Thursdays and other days, people would drop in. We had Sunday school in one room, counseling in another room, and um, the church was birthed, and that's where we did church together and we did life together. And we started with a bonfire party in the back garden on the 5th of November. Okay, so once we, we sort of went from Sketty up to the north of the city, we discovered the terrible needs all around where we lived of um, young people, of um, uh, truancy. Uh, let me just go back here. So, um, you know, no qualifications, low skills, third most deprived ward in Wales for child poverty. This was a few years later. 60% of residents didn't own a car. 
seven out of ten residents suffer from crime. In the seven years we lived in that house, we were burgled 16 times on our house and our garden. Um, truancy, teenage pregnancies, so we decided how can we reach the young people? And we started working in schools, uh, hiring community centres, partnering with other churches to use their halls. We didn't let our lack of resources put us off, but as a little team, we just did everything together. And I remember going to one church where we ran a holiday club, and they let us use their building, and they bought the paints and the squash, and they said, it's great that you've sent a team from the church, but it weren't a team from the church, we were the church. <laughs> you know, the 14 of us that went, that's all there was. And we began to reach out to young people. We didn't let the lack of resources hold us back. And we start, then as the church grew, we started hiring different community centers in Penland, Blind and Mice area, um, all uh, difficult, challenging situations. Sometimes I remember we put on one youth event and some kids came in and they went home, they dragged a mattress into the car park, set it on fire so nobody could get out, nobody could get in. And eventually we decided, you know, we can't really be doing youthy stuff like entertaining. We've got to go deeper and help serve this community and bring some education, training, and life, but we're going to need a building. And one day, Julian drove past the GPO sorting office in um, uh, Penlan, uh, and this is our building where the kids' praise party is going to be. Lovely, isn't it? Doesn't still look like that. And so what happened? Julian drove past, and he came home, and he said, quick, jump in the car. Let's go and see this building. We went and had a look, and we said, it's perfect now. Uh, we need a building to be visible. It's perfect. There's about 30 of us in the church at the time. None of us really had any money. Everybody pitched in. Um, it was a miracle that we bought this place. Um, there, there was antagonism and opposition towards it. Other people wanted to buy it. Someone put a room around about us. We invited someone's lounge where we were being filmed, interviewed. And, you know, as a guy turned up on my doorstep to give me some persuasion, shall we say. But eventually we bought this building. We had it for two years because he, with without being able to do it up because we had no money. And um, so people started joining and then they started leaving because it wasn't ready. And one day, Julian was preaching down in another part of the city and Dave Fender came up to him after and said, I hear you've bought a building in Penland. I was raised there, can I come and see it? And he came to see it and he looked around and it was just vandalized in a terrible state. And he said, what have you got? And we said, well, we've raised 15,000 pounds. Now this was astonishing. There were so few of us, we didn't have much money. People gave everything sacrificially to make this happen and Tear Fund matched it. But it was only a third of what we need. And Julian said to him, so what's your line of work then? And he said, I'm in the business of refurbishing buildings. How much have you got? And Julian said, and he said, oh, you need three times that but I want to do it for you, to give back to the community and in his service to God. So we all color-schemed it and had great fun doing that. Would you like to see before and after? So here we are. This is what it looked like when we bought it, and that's what it looks like now. In fact, this was taken a few years ago because those palm trees are huge now. Um, this was like the, the veranda. This is what it looks like now. Um, this was where they parked the post vans. That's now our blue room. And the section on the right-hand side there, within a year or two of um, refurbishing the building, we outgrew it and had to add an extension with European funding. This was the main hall, 
And this is what it looks like now. And very soon, we could put things on for the community. And here is the community at one of our Christmas experiences, where it's packed and full with people from the community, which was our heart. So then we began to really scale up our projects. And one of the projects that we did was called The Gap. And this was because we found that just putting on a youth club for the young people wasn't sufficient. But children aged 14 and upwards were uh, falling through the gap. They weren't making it from school to college or jobs. So we invented this project called The Gap. It was a year-long course where kids would come to us for two days a week or three days a week for a whole nine months. And uh, Tammy was a part of it and Sean was a part of it and um, Sai and Suzanne. And uh, we ran this project and we had some other people who've moved on to other things in the city now. Um, but there was a great little team where we just served these kids. And over the, sea, it's the course of 30 years that we ran it, over 2,000 children went through that course and went on into jobs, education and training. So here are the young people. You know, we wanted to help them develop skills for life, to be employed, to become responsible, gain qualifications. So they gained up to 19 qualifications with um, Open College Network, and here they are working. When the funders would come up, they couldn't believe that these lads would sit down and work, and their um, truancy rate, it, it solved that. The crime went crime rate went down by 25%, the teenage pregnancy rate went down, and by the church serving all these young people, it just changed the atmosphere in the area. And then eventually they went out into the workplace, here they are just out working in the community all across Swansea. I remember this young guy here, in one lesson, he couldn't join in the lesson because he's in so much pain. I said to him, Daniel, what's wrong? And everyone spoke for him and said, well, Daniel has bad teeth and he is in agony with toothache. So he opened his mouth to show me, and a lot of these young people um, have had a history of neglect, and so it's very difficult for them in, in various areas. So the, the, his mouth was in a terrible state. So I said to him, Daniel, I, I, this isn't part of the lesson, but would you like me to pray for you? So he said, yes, please, miss. So said, right, this isn't the lesson. Let's stand over here. So uh, I put my hands on his shoulders. He was very tall, and I'm only short. And I prayed for him to be healed in Jesus' name. Then they went off in the van. Um, but as they went in the van to go um, co-steering, the van pulled back in and he ran out and he went, oh, by the way, miss, all my toothache's gone. Now, two years later, his brother came on the course and he said it had an impact in the whole family because that boy never had toothache again, not just that day. So we saw many amazing things in the community with all these young people out at work, and we ran loads of different projects, homework club, first aid, um, you know, loads of different things. We, the church featured eventually in the Times Educational Supplement, in the Wales version, we did things with the BBC, with children in need, and we started to begin to win the Lord Mayor's Award for Community Regeneration. In fact, we went on to win this year after year after year because the church was making such an impact in the community. And so Julian then became part of something, pioneering something called Gwaini, where um, that helped churches all over Wales to run projects and to run them well when we're working and serving people outside the church. Some of the other projects that we still do, Sham pioneered Little Rascals that Suzanne leads now, and also we've had loads of other clubs. Here's Matthew and Simon with Gap Football, Gap Food, there's Flick and Tim, there's, there's a club we did here, there's Kieran and Sam and Jenny who are doing an internship and helping with Gap, Gap Wednesday. You name it, we tried to do it. We ran a charity shop, thank you, Hem 
Helen and all the team uh, for some years in Morriston High Street. So this is just a little flavor of the kinds of things that we were doing together. And the thing it doesn't show in here, because we can't really put these on live stream, is all the friendships, the friendship, the love, the community, the being together, the laughing, the caring, the crying, caring for one another, that we are a body together. So eventually we outgrew Penlan and we tried to buy various buildings. Remember we tried to buy the Walker's Chris factory and uh, we missed that by a snip. But every time I drive past it now, I'm quite glad because it was enormous. And um, so we raised loads of money together and again, the church was so sacrificial and faithful that we all poured money into buying uh, Walker's Chris factory. And then when that didn't happen, we lost the bid. Everyone said, keep the money for the next building. And so then one day, Julian was driving past. It's dangerous to let him out. He's driving past and sees Aldi supermarket up for sale. And here it is when it's up for sale. Would you like to see a little bit before and after who's sitting in this beautiful building? And so, um, well, firstly, so just to explain, why do we need two buildings? Well, our Penland is still for serving co the community. Um, all our offices are there. We all work up there. That's where things run. It also houses Alpha Wales and the new Encumbry office. And then here in Venue 2, we needed a place for Sundays, conferencing, special events and all that kind of thing. So, a bit of before and after. Here's some photos you might find interesting. So here's the story of Venue 2. It's a miracle buying this place, um, and uh, we are refurbishing it stage by stage. There's still areas of the building to go, but this was the main refurb. So we bought it. This was what it was like in October 2011. It had all been trashed inside and vandalized. And then we got the builders in, started to do work on it. This is what the front of the building looked like gradually as we did it up. Um, here's clearing the car park. There's Robert. Now, this is the uh, foyer, I think. Yeah, so this is the foyer. This is the change in the foyer. This is the cafe area. So this is what it looked like gradually putting it together. There we go. And then this is the main hall, what it looked like. And then coming up to the opening, Julian smiling, putting signage on the outside, venue two, there it is, and our signs go up, and eventually the chairs arriving, setting all the chairs out, and then we had a conference. Before we had a big opening, we had a conference here, and these are leaders from all over the nation of Wales praising God for his faithfulness and what he has done. It's amazing, isn't it? Just such a testimony. And um, here we all are worshipping. And then we had the opening Saturday 22nd of September. So it's quite close to this anniversary. And we opened it up. Somebody here in Wales made a cake of the mayor. Here's the mayor opening um, in a little newspaper article. And on the front, we put, Welcome, Croiso, because we want every person to be welcome because Jesus welcomes them. Now, that is a snapshot of our 30 years. Let's just thank the Lord for all that he has done. <clears throat> so just to conclude then, what does our history show about our identity as a church? Who are we? Who are we to God? Who are we to one another? Who are we to the community? Well, this is what we see um, through what God has done. So firstly, we're relational. We know that church is a community of people. It's not an institution, an organization, or a building. It's the community of people. Always has been that, always will. We are joined together in Jesus. 
Uh, we are missional. Our first call as, ch- as Christians in this church is when Jesus ascended. Before that, he said, go into all the world making disciples. That is our call. And we are a missional, outward-focused church. Always have been, always will. We are here for the lost. And so we... We worship, we have teaching, we care for one another. All that is a given within our Christian life, but it's not the focus. The focus is that as an army together, we reach those who don't know Jesus yet, and that's uh, our heart. Also, sacrifice. You can see like the vein of sacrifice running through all that we have done, that we take up our cross in serving him, that we are deeply serious about our faith. Now, on a Sunday like this, we love to have fun together in our worship and worshiping God. And deep beneath that is that we are deeply committed to our faith and our walk with Jesus, that our lifestyle looks like Jesus, that our Christianity is a way of life. It's not a little hobby on the side or something something we do on a Sunday morning, but it is a sacrifice of our time, of our love, of our money, of our care for one another, that we are deeply committed to taking up our cross. And, and that brings on to commitment, really. We do everything here in team. There's a team for everything. There's almost a rotor for everything. And there's a kind of count me in kind of DNA here. A, I won't let you down. Here I am, send me type uh, DNA together, but we are also committed not just to serving one another and making all this happen together, but we are committed to truth and to holiness. Do you remember when the woman caught in adultery, she came before Jesus, and Jesus accepted her, but he said, go and sin no more. And that is who we are as an army of believers together. We know that we are weak and and we fall short, but we come to Jesus. He says, go and sin no more. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, we are committed to changing day after day after day to become more like Jesus. And it's amazing over the 30-year journey of seeing the development and change within us all as we get closer to him. Serving the poor is a deep part of the church. When we started pioneering in 856 in the old house and discovered the needs in the community around us, we were, we were overwhelmed. How could a little group of nine of us, 12 of us, 20 of us, 30 of us serve the community and then as the church grew? But we had a deep down conviction. You know where it says in James about faith without works is dead. And so... It's no good just having a faith, but that faith has to be worked out. And when we see people in need, that we're going to care for them. Also in James, it says, if you say, go in peace, keep warm, um, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but do nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? And there's all these people now in their droves going to the food chair that don't have a toothbrush or deodorant. Or, or there's one lady there, you know, text us saying, I couldn't eat this week so that I could feed the children. I know what that is like. And so let us continue. And in um, Jesus says in Mark, do you remember when he talks about visiting in prison, clothing the naked, you know, being with the sick? And he says, even a cup of water that you give in my name. So church, let's continue to give and serve the poor. It's really important. It's Jesus' heart. And lastly on this list, because it could be an endless list, oh no, not lastly, second to last, is joy, love, unity, and joy. It is a hallmark of the church. A church family needs to be a safe place where we honor one another, we're respectful to one another, we care for one another. 
that we are faithful in our words and our deeds, and we are honoring. And it's important to us that we don't let our sinful nature descend into um, criticism or unkindness within the community of faith. It has no place here. And so let's make sure we continue with joy and love and unity. And lastly, of course, the power ministries. Sorry, Sai, I'll leave you doing it now because we're doing it at the same time. The power ministries, the Holy Spirit is within us where we have a word of discernment or a word of knowledge, prophecy, healing, all the many gifts of the Holy Spirit and the power ministries. We're not just a group of kind people who do good things, but we have the power of Jesus within us to transform our lives and those around us. And when God speaks to us, he can unlock something in a moment. He can change someone's life with healing. He can speak into your situation prophetically. And we walk with these power ministries as a body together. So essentially, a Jesus-shaped church. That's who we are. If you look at the life of Jesus, that should be the life of Cornerstone Church, a church that looks like him. And this is who we are. This is our track record. And let us continue together to live out our DNA and our identity. So to end by going back to Isaiah, this is the verse to us from Isaiah. Firstly, remember our history and our DNA. But forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you perceive it? What are these new things? What is God about to do? He is about to birth something in your life. Now look at the next verse. It says here, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And I want to ask us together, are we ready for a new chapter? Do we celebrate who we are? The journey we've come on with God, understand our DNA, that's what flows through us, and say, I want to be part of this. I want to be part of a church that's relational and loving and giving and serving and sacrificial and serious about its walk with Jesus and see what God has for us ahead. God is writing our next chapters. You are on the page. He is writing your next chapter And he is writing our chapter together. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? It's like a challenge, a friendly challenge. Do you perceive it? Do you have eyes and ears to hear? So let's pray together now. Lord, we open our hearts now. We want to have spiritual eyes to see and spiritual ears to hear. We thank you, Lord, for the journey and all that you have made us, who you are to us, who we are in you. And I thank you, Lord, that you're going to be doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do not perceive it. I pray, Lord, for every person watching or here who feels, I know I am stuck in rhythms of the past. I am stuck in failures of the past. I really felt in preparing this message that God is going to set you free today. That there, there are those of you listening or in the room who say, I, 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 can't go, I can't go on with the failures of the past, the difficulties of the past. I need someone to end this. And Jesus says, yes, here I am right now. Forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. 
that the past is forgiven and it is over. We learn our lessons from it. And Lord, I pray that you will bring healing by the power of your spirit, that today will be a watershed moment for those who say, I, I need to be free of this. I, I just want to step into my future. So Lord, come and do what only you can do by the power of your spirit to unlock and to transform and by your power that the past will be forgiven, the past will be finished, the past, this is a moment that you can move on from the past. And Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do in our future together. We are overwhelmed, Lord, at your faithfulness. Here you are with us. Who would have thought this 30 years ago? And I pray your rich blessing now, Lord, on every person here and joining us online with the rich blessing of Almighty God, where he says, yes, it is I, the ancient of days. It has always been me. It will always be. I am the only Savior. I thank you, Lord, for your saving power and that you'll go with us with your mighty blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.